WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light in Decatur and Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant in the newsroom. I mean, it's green. The co-leader of a plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer has been sentenced to 16 years in prison. 39-year-old Adam Fox was in federal court in Grand Rapids today, four months after he and 44-year-old Barry Croft Jr. of Delaware were convicted of conspiracy charges at a second trial. Former federal prosecutor Matthew Schneider says he doesn't think the sentence goes far enough. 16 years isn't even in the same ballpark. This is an extremely serious crime and one that is very, very rare. So I think a lot of people were expecting that a sentence of perhaps 25 years or more would have been more appropriate. The other ringleader in the plot, 44-year-old Barry Croft, is scheduled to be sentenced tomorrow. The three were accused of being the organizers of a wild plot to organize anti-government extremists and kidnap Whitmer due to their frustrations over COVID restrictions. The suspect in a fatal Benton Harbor shooting has been killed by police in Texas. 32-year-old Michael Delaney of Benton Harbor is dead after an officer-involved shooting in Weatherford, Texas, according to a release from the Benton Township Police Department. Delaney was a suspect in the December 17th murder of 30-year-old Benton Harbor resident Melissa Knowles at Briarwood Apartments in Benton Township. According to a report from Fox 4 in Texas, Weatherford police said their officers fatally shot a suspect on December 24th after the suspect led officers on a chase in a stolen vehicle and shot at them. The suspect, who was not identified, crashed the stolen vehicle and began shooting at the officers. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Congressman Fred Upton announced today that his 98-year-old father, Steve Upton, also of St. Joseph, has passed away. A veteran of World War II's Battle of the Bulge and a later a senior vice president at Whirlpool, he was involved in many community activities throughout his life. He leaves behind his wife of 71 years, Elizabeth, five kids, 17 grandchildren, and 19 great-grandchildren. Congressman Upton says his dad, quote, led us all by example to give back to our community and try to make this world a better place. The Michigan Department of Transportation had its crews on the road and plowing all day and night throughout this past week's blizzard conditions. Spokesperson Nick Sharipa tells us they have 75 plows and 65 plow routes in the southwest region, and the plow drivers were on the job regardless of the holiday. They started preparing for the winter weather in October and were ready to get into action once the blizzard warning came. Uh, then once the snow starts falling, it's around the clock. We have plow operators out 24 hours a day during a weather event and even for a couple days after, however long it takes, to get the roads down to where we want them, which in the case of something like I-94 is pretty much down the wet pavement. Sharipa says they considered closing I-94 in Berrien and Van Buren counties completely on Friday when the crashes were the worst. The high volume of traffic did make the work of plowing more difficult. You know, if we've got to close a mile of I-94 for a crash, that's a mile of I-94 that's not getting plowed. That's an interruption in a snow route. That means that that operator has to figure out how to plow around that so nothing else gets behind and then has to play catch-up on whatever segment is closed. Sharipa says a decision to shut down the highway would be made in consultation with police. In the end, the highway stayed open where possible, but it wasn't easy to drive on it. Because MDOT has plows operating all night long, routes like 94 are kept free of snow better than county roads. Sharibba says regardless of the agency, all first responders and plow drivers need to be thanked for their tireless work throughout the storm. Work continues on the new Sulak project in Sault Ste. Marie after Congress last week approved a massive federal spending bill to keep the government functioning through September. 
U.S. Army Corps of Engineers spokesperson Kerry Fox tells us the agency has been granted a project reauthorization for the work at $3.2 billion. A new lock was authorized in 1986, but the project never got any funding until 2018. Since then, Phase 1 has been completed. And the Phase 2 entails rehabilitating the upstream approach walls. So the walls that the ships kind of ride along against and can moor up to and kind of wait their turn in the lock. That should be complete in 2024. Fox says the reauthorization allows preparations for Phase 3. Phase 3 construction is actually the new lock itself. So demolishing the current lock that's there and then rebuilding the new lock. And that is due to be completed in 2030. The Sioux locks allow large freighters to move between Lake Superior and the Lower Great Lakes by moving safely down the St. Mary's River. They enable the vessels to transit the 21-foot elevation change at the St. Mary's Falls Canal. There's a new nature preserve in Buchanan Township thanks to a partnership between Chickaming Open Lands and the Southwest Michigan Land Conservancy. The Conservancy's Justin Gish tells us 45 acres off of Wolkins Road was donated by Ann Krantz, Julie Dorfman, and Jerry Hurst to Chickaming Open Lands. It's a nice beach maple forest, and there's one small single-family home on the property that Chickaming Open Lands is going to use for uh, educational purposes, you know, maybe housing some folks that are going to combat invasive species on the property. But it's really nice beach maple forest. The previous owners took good care of it and did their own invasive species work on it. The Southwest Michigan Land Conservancy holds the easement on the property, while Chickaming Open Lands will maintain the land itself. The preserve will be called the Myron Perlman Nature Preserve after the late husband of Krantz. Gish says there are no plans to add a parking lot or new trails. Hearst says the property owners fell in love with the land 36 years ago and, quote, long knew that we did not want this precious piece of land to be compromised when the time came that we would not be able to maintain it or address invasive species in the forest as we aged. And the Berrien County Health Department will offer free vision and hearing screenings to students who are virtual or homeschooled with a clinic next week. Uh, Department Hearing and Vision Coordinator Melissa Jordan tells us the screenings are more relevant than ever. A lot of people since the pandemic has chose to go virtual route rather than the public school route. I am, as a matter of fact, one of those parents, so I know that everybody needs that opportunity to have their children screened, and if there is a concern, that we put that, put that out there. Homeschool or virtual students are not required by law to be screened for vision or hearing problems before entering school, but... The health department is required to offer the screenings. Jordan says they'll have a free clinic next Wednesday at both the Niles and Benton Harbor office of the Berrien County Health Department from 9 a.m. to noon. Any parents can stop by with their kids ages kindergarten through ninth grade. The department can help them connect with help to pay for glasses if that's needed. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News now continues. Travelers are frustrated with this week's thousands of flight cancellations, and President Biden says he's looking into it more if maybe he's Andy Field. The president tweeting that his agencies are working to make sure airlines are held accountable for thousands of canceled flights this holiday, also urging travelers to know their rights and what airlines must pay for certain cancellations by going to transportation.gov and their customer service dashboard. President Biden also tweeting the government's investigating if Southwest Airlines' larger cancellations were controllable and if it followed its federal customer service plan. Officials in New York say state and military police were sent to keep people from driving in snow-choked Buffalo. The Erie County executive said Tuesday police are being 
positioned at entrances to Buffalo and at major intersections to enforce a ban on driving. Officials say more than 30 people died in the region. That's in addition to about two dozen other deaths the huge storm caused around the country. And an emergency services commissioner in the Buffalo area says uh, crews are keeping an eye on warmer weather forecasts for later this week that could bring the threat of flooding as all the snow melts. Southwest Airlines stranding tens of thousands of travelers as it cancels a large percentage of its flights today. One Arizona family, though, refused to stay grounded and decided to drive 2,600 miles from Phoenix to Boston. ABC's Emily Marr. More. Tim Marr and his family are trying to get to Boston for a big event, a gift of a lifetime for his 17-year-old son. They said, hey, the one gift I want is I want to go back to Boston for the, the Classic. They bought tickets to the Boston Bruins Winter Classic, booked the flights and made it a family affair, smooth sailing, until they got to the Phoenix airport. Nothing's happening. Their Southwest flight was delayed over and over and over. We would be there to this day, them saying, stand by, stand by, stand by. He and his wife rented an enterprise truck, packed up the kids, and hit the road. The family's due to arrive in Boston on Wednesday. Enough time to get some sleep and see some sights before Monday's Bruins game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Foreign companies have welcomed China's decision to end quarantines for travelers from abroad as an important step to revive slumping business activity, while Japan has announced restrictions on visitors from the country as infections of COVID surge. The ruling Communist Party's abrupt decision to lift some of the world's strictest antivirus controls comes as it tries to reverse an economic downturn. Quarantines for travelers from abroad will end January 8th. It's the biggest step toward ending curves that kept most foreign visitors out of China since early 2020. Meanwhile, the government downgraded the official seriousness of COVID-19 and dropped a requirement for people with the virus to be quarantined. With Congress on recess for the holidays, lawmakers continue arguing over the importance of Title 42 at the U.S. southern border. More from ABC's Alex Brashey. Republicans have said that, look, you know, without Title 42, we're expecting a surge of migrants towards the border. Now, Democrats would combat that by saying, look, uh, while we do expect to see a temporary disruption. They also say that authorities at the southern border have been arresting, detaining, and removing migrants at the border at more times this past year than ever before in U.S. history, and that's with Title 42 in place. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court today ruled that Title 42 should temporarily remain in place. South Korea's president has called for stronger air defenses and high-tech stealth drones while the military apologized for failing to shoot down North Korean drones that crossed the border for the first time in five years. South Korea's military scrambled warplanes and attack helicopters Monday, but they failed to bring down any of the North Korean drones that flew back home or disappeared from South Korean radars. It raised serious questions about South Korea's air defense network at a time when tensions remain high over North Korea's torrid run of missile tests this year. Today, South Korea's military again launched fighter jets and attack helicopters after spotting suspicious flight paths at a frontline area. They turned out to be a flock of birds. President Biden begins his holiday vacation today with a major piece of legislation still waiting for his signature. More from ABC's Jay O'Brien. President Biden and the First Lady heading to the U.S. Virgin Islands Tuesday to celebrate the new year with family on the island of St. Croix. Still on the president's plate, signing the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill that funds the government until September 2023. The bill passed the House and Senate last week. Bills typically take a few days to be processed before they make it to the president's desk. President Biden has promised he will sign the legislation as soon as it reaches him. He has until Friday to do so. Jake O'Brien, ABC News, Washington. The holiday shopping season for Mega Millions lottery ticket buyers at least is ramping up. 
As officials say, the estimated jackpot for tonight's drawing has surpassed a half a billion dollars. As of late Monday, lottery officials estimated today's prize at $565 million, or more than $293 million if delivered in cash. That's after there were no lucky winners holding a ticket that matched all six numbers in the last drawing, which was on Friday. Tickets sold in California and Florida for an October 14th drawing shared the last Mega Millions jackpot of $502 million. The Mega Millions lottery top prize has been building anew over 20 drawings held since. And holiday sales saw a promising bump this year with U.S. consumers. Despite tight economic conditions, many Americans are willing to pay the price for a little Christmas joy this season. Despite record inflation, retail sales surging this holiday up more than 7% over last year. Consumers taking advantage as stores offered deep discounts. Online shopping growing, too, up more than 10%. But with all that holiday gifting comes an inevitable onslaught of returns. The National Retail Federation expecting nearly 18% of holiday season gifts will go right back. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast. 